worms crawl in, the worms crawl out. They'll eat your guts and spit them out. And when your bones begin to rot, the worms remain, but you do not. So don't ever laugh as a hearse goes by. For someday you'll be next in line. And when death brings his cold despair, ask yourself, will anyone care? Macabre may not be suitable for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. Oh, today have I got a crazy episode about Whitewater, Wisconsin. A.K.A. Second Salem. I'm excited because we talked a little bit, but now I get to hear everything. And you've probably done more research since we've talked. Yeah, definitely. And I actually found out some things that I did not know before. Just from, you hear a lot of stories from people just talking. Or you know a friend who knows a friend that went to UW-Whitewater. And there's crazy stuff that happens on campus and stuff like that. But mm, a lot of this stuff, I feel, is probably connected. But there's a lot of mystery that's just laced throughout all of this stuff, and a lot of stuff isn't documented. So it's kind of hearsay around town, which, you know, give or take what you want from that. It's still really weird, and some of this stuff is proven to have happened, but we don't have a lot of documentation about a lot of this other stuff, especially where origin stuff was happening. So my little catchy catchphrase stuff for the beginning is we're talking about ominous books something in the water hauntings and grave digging and witches oh my it's a college town that has its fair share of mysteries (laughs) how far back does this go like early 1800s oh shit yeah yeah and this This town didn't actually become a technical college town until the 50s. So it's it's got some really weird shit underlying. And yeah, I want to go there so bad. I've never been there. But how how far away is that from where you're at? uh, You know what? I'm going to Google directions it because I don't actually know. I want to say it's like three hours away. But let me okay. Let me That's get a the fun check little made. weekend. That's like a yeah. fun little weekend trip, little drive. Yeah, just enough of a road trip to not drive you crazy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I totally. And obviously, go down here. With it being a college town, there'd be other things to do too. So, for sure, I would like to go around Halloween and see what they do, because. It is just, the things that I kept reading about is just crazy. I don't know how I didn't know about that. I feel like probably a lot of people don't know about it. I have a feeling a lot of people don't either because it wasn't until people started telling me stories about it. And I'm like, I've heard of Whitewater before, but I've never heard anything about this stuff. So when they finally started talking about it, I'm like, what? (laughs) Dude, what? So it's just over three hours away from me. Okay. It's uh, it's towards the south end of Wisconsin area. 
Um, like it's underneath, but in between Madison and Milwaukee, Wisconsin. So we're we're on a roll for mispronouncing things today. So please forgive me. <laughs> some of the some of the things that I will try to pronounce, please forgive me if it's wrong. But the name was actually given by the Potawatomi people, which they had called it Minneiska, which means white water. And they had a really big group in that area. And we'll get into that in a second. But one of the very first settler and settler, as in making a town settler, Elvin Foster came through in 1836 and he literally carved his name into a tree and that's all you needed back then to claim your property (laughs) oh if it were only that easy (laughs) yeah for real it's like oh dang okay good for you dude and then somebody comes somebody comes along and cuts the tree down and turns it into firewood they're like we didn't see a tree with your name on it yeah exactly be like you don't have any property now elvin's really pissed yeah can you imagine that? Oh, no way. Or they go to, you know, start building things and they accidentally chop that tree down while they're building stuff. And people are like, you don't own this land. And then they Oops. see the log go through. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And it's always been a small town. Like currently, the population is under 15,000. And it is a college town. And there are approximately 10,000 students that attend UW-Whitewater, but more likely under 10,000. I think the last stats that I looked up, it was like 9,600-something. But the college was established officially in 1964. But before that, the school was actually a facility that trained teachers And that dates all the way back to the 1860s. Wow. Yeah. So there's a lot of history under modern. There's a lot of doubling up here. And you'll see how. Just on the west side of town, there is an area full of effigy mounds. And we're talking 21 and a half acres full of effigy mounds. Oh my gosh. Yeah, they have a park for it now. And it wasn't actually officially added to the National Register of Historic Places until 1991. That's a long freaking time, especially when... That's a really long time to not recognize something that's been there for so long. Oh, you just wait till you know how long they've been there. I was shocked. I was like, seriously? It took you till the 90s, people? Oh, I mean, that sounds typical. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, not not a fan of that. Very disappointed people. It is the, it is one I shouldn't say it's the largest. It's one of the largest collections of effigy mounds in the U.S. And up to 15 mounds can be found just in the park alone. These mounds date back to 800 A.D. and 1200 A.D. Oh, wow. Yeah, that is insane. And the oldest ones are geometrically shaped, and the newer ones are shaped like animals, such as minks, turtles, and panthers. And 
those who have studied the mounds have suggested that the place was a gathering ground for several different Midwestern native tribes throughout history. That's so neat. Yeah. It's so cool. I want to visit. It's so, so bad. But there are areas that are restricted. Um, I've read that you there's only a certain area that you can visit within the park, which is completely respectable. Um, there's others in the extended area, but 21 and a half acres. That's huge. Yeah. And when you think about things associated with activity and burial grounds, it kind of doesn't surprise me that there would be weird stuff going on in Whitewater since they literally have it in the park in a town that's less than 15,000 people. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's really crazy. Well, yeah, there has to be, there has to be a certain kind of energy there. Yeah. Definitely. Especially since even though it's a beautiful area, the history of the place is not so pretty. Mm. Uh, There's a lot of crazy shit that went down. Um, It is called the creepiest place in Wisconsin. And it is very fondly known as Second Salem. Which, when you think about Salem and you say Salem, those are, that's some, uh, that's a tall order to fill. Those are some pretty big shoes to be filling when we're talking about Salem. Yeah. So it's, it's a little odd. Uh, you might be asking listeners like, well then how in the heck did it get the name? Oh, we'll get into that. But the, the thing is, when did it start getting weird is the real question. It might have started with the Morris Pratt institution in 1889 And this institute taught spiritualism, and it is rumored that they had a designated room where they conducted seances. Ooh. Yeah. That's cool. Very cool. And you can imagine, though, you know, for the time, it was such a popular thing to do. Seances and using Ouija boards and stuff like that to contact the other side. You know, we were, as we've talked in previous episodes, Victorian era, they were so in tuned with death that it was just kind of a fun, common thing to do. But you can imagine as well for a newly founded town in the Midwest that that wasn't that welcoming either. (laughs) Yeah, it's interesting. There were two types of people, right? Yeah, yeah. The people who were totally into it and the people who were totally not into it. Oh, yeah. For for real. It was a, a heavy clash, which there I think there could be a lot of um, social society studies with this town. And I really wish there was more to dig into. That's why that's another reason why I want to visit is because I really want to do some historical digging. That'd be a fun. It would be so fun. Fun weekend trip. And then you can do an update episode. Heck yeah. I would love that. Get in touch with the the Anderson Library to get some archive stuff. We'll talk about that too. But uh, at the Morris Pratt Institute, they they held regular lectures about psychic subjects and paranormal studies. And 
surprise, surprise, it wasn't long before accusations came to life that the Institute was just full of witches. But it functioned as a school for 40 years until it got turned into a telephone office. (laughs) (laughs) Boring. (laughs) So boring. (laughs) But good news is in 1946, when it did move, it moved to Milwaukee. This institution still exists and it still teaches. They actually offer online courses. So I wonder if they have any of the information. That's what I want to know. If they would really know what exactly happened in the 1800s and early 1900s. Because there's not a lot to be found on it. You just need to find like their history professor or something. Something I'm sure would be nerdy enough to. (laughs) Right. There has got to be a handful of people out there. (laughs) Yeah. Well, speaking of libraries and trying to dig into archives to really figure out what the hell is going on in this town. Uh, We need to definitely talk about the Anderson library. Uh, This library was built in the fifties and it is part of UW Whitewater's campus, but probably where it gets the most publicity is that it is known to house a very strange book. Now this book Mm. is called the witch's book. And there are a lot of rumors going around about what exactly it is. And regardless of what the truth is, there is always that one piece of information that is true, absolutely true. So what what take it is for real is going to be creepy regardless. And I will get into that. So there are a lot of rumors that this book is so dark that they have to lock it in the basement of the library and that the book itself is locked. And that is actually true. The book is locked in the basement and it has two locks on it. Oh my gosh. Yes. They're more like latches that you'd find in like really old collections and like castle libraries where they would have um, archival information locked with the two latches that needed a key. That's basically what it is. And allegedly, this book was used during witches' rituals in the area back in the day. And we'll kind of get into that later as well. There's a lot of weird interconnectings going on in Whitewater. So the rumor is that if you ask to borrow this book, you will get expelled. I don't know if that's true or not. Yeah. There is a statement that officially came out from the college, though, that, quote, the only locked book we own is actually a Catholic hymnal, which apparently this book is that one because it is this particular book they're talking about. And to continue with the quote, they say, we think the stories about it come from the fact that up until 1989, 100 years before Morris Pratt Institution was found, The storage we used for the book was a locked cage because it was the only storage unit we had. Mm. I don't know how much I believe that for a storage unit. but seems suspect. (laughs) Yeah. And they go on to say that a locked book in a special collection got this image of being dangerous because there isn't a lot known about it. However, 
none of the people that we have had come in to research this book have ever talked about this Catholic hymnal as having any sort of source of a publisher, a title, an author. There is no date inscribed on any of the pages. There is no reference to where this book originally came from. So something someone made. Yes. And the the worst rumor that goes around about this book is that it had actually killed three students and a professor. It led them to suicide. And there was another student that allegedly read from the book that went mad from reading it and they had to be put in a mental mental institution after Telling you, reading we need it. to we need to write a story. We need to write a screenplay about this. Yes. There was supposed to be a movie that came out about Whitewater, oh gosh, like probably 10 years ago now or so. There was a budget for it, but I really don't think they ever made it. Unless it was like a B-rated or C-rated movie or something that you can find somewhere. But yeah, there is a trailer on YouTube. If you type in the Whitewater Witches trailer, there's a little mini trailer for it. Um, yeah. Okay. There's some crazy shit that is revolved around the the book, the areas. Um, the book to this day, even though they've had many people look at this book to just try to see if there's any way to source it, it remains unlabeled. And it is unknown if that is for a reason or if it's just a coincidence because they really can't find anything to go off of. Now, there is a picture. Maybe we could source it on Patreon uh, just so you could see it. But it looks freaking old. It's pretty pretty creepy looking, but also cool. So if you're a bibliothecary bibliophile and you like to look at books and especially old books you will love the look of this book you said there you think there may be an image somewhere online yeah yes i actually i included one in my notes for it so i could definitely source it back it came from a newspaper very uh, cool probably from 20 oh no it'd be 2008 maybe but yeah it's one of the librarians holding it on the shelf downstairs in the basement (laughs) She seems very happy. <laughs> I would just want to know what's in it. I want to. Yeah. I don't know. There's there's a rumor saying that the pages are filled with like images and a language that nobody knows. But yeah, nobody actually knows. <laughs> there's well, a lot of rumor. With the rumor about people dying after reading it and committing yeah. suicide and getting locked up you know, in an insane asylum. I mean, it would be a little bit of a deterrent. (laughs) Right. Be like, I don't know if I want to attempt this. (laughs) Yeah. Another thing, because we'll get back to that book later, but another thing that's interesting for such a small town is they have three cemeteries. They have the Cavalry Cemetery, Oak Grove Cemetery, and Hillside Cemetery. And a lot of people... Oh, I we've discussed this recently, but a lot of people get worked up at the fact that the these three points, if you draw them and connect them on a map, create a triangle. <laughs> okay, people. I think it might be time for macabre math class. So <laughs> let's talk about shapes. <laughs> 
I am not a math expert. I fucking suck at math. Like, if it came down to it and my life depended on me solving a fucking math problem, I hope you already started digging my grave because I'm not doing it. Um, yeah, I <laughs> I have to admit, I, I relied very heavily on my classmates and Same. my charm um, with boys. <laughs> For help with math because I suck at math. I hate it. Maybe <laughs> I, hate I don't suck at it. I just hate it and I don't want oh, to I, do I hate the it. math. If anxiety and stress ever came in an academic form, it's fucking math. It's very true. <laughs> I fucking hate it. Oh, but yeah. So, okay, yes. The three points. Guess what? They form a fucking triangle. But what gets people really, like, freaked out about it. So I'll give them the benefit of the doubt here. It apparently forms a perfect isosceles triangle, which is associated with witchcraft. And they call it the witch's triangle in town. Another odd thing about it is all of the weird shit that happens happens within this triangle. Hmm. So we've got this weird triangle of cemeteries we have a massive plot of effigy mounds all smacked into this tiny ass town there's a lot of shit going on so where do we really start with the cemeteries because all of them have some shit going on and stories and reports of seeing things why don't we start with one of the more well-known stories that came out in 1970. During the week of Halloween in 1970, there was a coffin of a baby girl that had been dug up and put on the in the campus mall. The body had been put on the steps of the student center. Though they say it was recently buried in Hillside Cemetery, staff and students alike thought this was the absolute sickest joke that could have been done. And many locals actually thought it was due to acts of protest that were going on during that time in town. Well, look at the 70s and what were going on. But even so, if that was an act of protest, that's a I really fucked up act of I protest. Yeah, I don't understand how that translates to... Yeah. Yeah. It's... No. And nobody till this day actually knows who did it uh the night before there was an account from two fishermen that had seen strange lights roaming around the cavalry cemetery which is a different cemetery completely and nobody knows if that was just a coincidence or if those two things were linked somehow nobody knows this is also the cemetery that's in the middle of campus where there have been a number of suicide attempts. Some people actually did carry through with it, and others were caught in the process. They now have it locked, but the weird thing about it is the lock will randomly be found unhinged, unlocked, Hmm. and the door will be slightly open. I'm curious what type of lock. Padlock, I assume. That I don't know. I'm assuming so. Especially for a campus. Yeah. But very interesting. Because obviously, okay, we're talking about the creativity 
of college students wanting to Mm -hmm. just try to do things. So it could be they're picking locks. They're just going in to look at the cemetery. Um, It could be somebody that is a facility worker that's going in and they're just like, I'm only in here for a minute and leaving it open. Um, Mm -hmm. But a lot of accounts from campus police said that there's really no rhyme or reason to when this stuff is found unlocked. So I don't know, take it with a grain of salt, but a lot of kids are creeped out by it. But the Oak Grove Cemetery is really known for hauntings. Uh, not not necessarily Hillside and Cavalry, though there have been very strange lights found in all of the cemeteries at night. Um, but the Oak Grove Cemetery is apparently known as a place, which we'll get into the conflict of that later, is known as the burial place for the axe murderess Mary Worth. Is that confirmed? Though they say that she's actually buried in Hillside. So, and that's, that is something that I want to look into because that that's a big contradiction with the information that I found about Mary Worth, which wasn't a lot at all. There was a lot of contradictions about who she was as a person. It is said that she wanted to be buried in Hillside, but upon her death and due to her track record around town, which we'll talk about, uh, the cemetery board decided that she shouldn't be buried in hollowed ground. So they Mm -hmm. didn't bury her in the ground at all. They actually put her above ground in a crypt Mm -hmm. and they show pictures of different crypts. Yeah. But here's the weird part. So apparently her burial place is in Oak Grove Cemetery, but also apparently it's in Hillside, but her apparition is seen in Oak Grove. Interesting. Yes. So it's very, very weird. There's a little bit of contradiction with her. Um, But it is also said that other figures are seen walking around at night in each of the cemeteries, um, especially in Hillside where people have attempted suicide very very frequently up until now even but mary worth was a self-proclaimed witch it is said that she attended the morris pratt institute and she put curses on a ton of people throughout town (laughs) yeah which included the winchester family which Upon trying to dig into Mary Worth, the Winchesters, and other people in that town at that time, it's actually pretty hard, which is another reason why I want to go down and do some archive studies. Um, But the Winchesters were a very well-known and very prosperous family, and they had a business. What that business was, I'm not sure, unfortunately. Now, we're not talking about Winchester rifle Winchesters, right? I don't believe so. Because that Winchester ended up in California. Mm -hmm. She had like a crazy mansion with all these. Yes. Yeah. That's a whole thing we can talk about too. too. Uh Yes. We totally should. (laughs) You read my mind. W is for Winchester. (laughs) Yes. No, apparently this Winchester family in some accounts, and I, I don't want to say that this is true because I really could not confirm it enough, but apparently it was a logging company. Allegedly. Um, but I would I would love to get more information about the history. 
Um, according to local stories, Maryworth had some beef with the Winchester family. So she put a curse on them, like she did a lot of people, apparently. <laughs> but the weird thing about this particular curse is the entire Winchester family died within the same year. And their business went head over ass and completely shut down by 1893. Wow. Mm-hmm. Do you know the cause of death? No. Okay. That's the other I assume, thing. I assume maybe disease. If That's there what was I'm thinking. Rampant yeah. at that time. Exactly. Or, you know, look at the time. It could have been another accidental Victorian deadly household item dinner. You never know. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that's another reason. Oh, there's so much that there's so many mysteries and I just want some damn facts. <laughs> I want to look into this, but that's really all I found on Mary Worth. Um, and I want to know officially, is she buried in Hillside Cemetery or is she officially built, uh, buried in Oak Grove Cemetery? For all of our listeners, if you know, let us know. We want to know. <laughs> Another weird place in Whitewater is actually the Starin Park Water Tower. It was built in the late 1880s. And legend has it that witches used to do rituals nightly around the tower. It is also said that there is an oak altar buried in that park where they would they used to perform their rituals. And this is apparently also where that cursed book was used. Apparently. Hmm. Yes. In 2004, a fence was put up around the tower after there were many sightings of figures at night hanging out around the tower, dancing and chanting. Nobody knew who these people were. The fence that was put up around the tower, there are spikes on the top that point inward, suggesting this is something not to keep people out, but to keep something in. As Crazy. We, yeah. Very interesting. Uh, there are accounts of people seeing dark figures dancing at night around the tower, and it's always specifically around solstices and certain Wiccan holidays. Which, you know what? It could actually be Wiccan students that are practicing at night, and they just don't want to be bothered. Then they don't really tell people that they're going to be doing it. You know, that could yeah. be an option. Um and then there's also the option of, yeah, maybe it is a paranormal experience. But um, what is consistent with accounts is that they're always undistinct figures. They can't really make out what kind of like heights and widths of people because it's just generic human forms. They're always darked out, kind of like shadow people. A couple people have described it as. Um, that was... That was my thought, too. Yeah. That pretty good chance if you can't distinguish the fe features. Now, granted, if it's at night, right. sometimes it is a challenge to see, but shadow figures were my, my thought. Right. Well, and especially if we're talking about everything else that's been going on around town, when you look at effigy mounds or, you know, the history, the graveyards, the weird other things, shadow people is not a surprise to me. <laughs> yeah, not at all. <laughs> um, 
But so that uh, 20, or I keep saying 20 because now we're in 2023, but uh, 2004, that's kind of recent to be putting up a fence, you know? And I think part of the reason for that just is it's a college town. And especially if there are local backstories about weird shit going on, you know, college kids are eating that up and they're going to want to go and do something. Yeah. Not every college kid, but you, we all know that I would have been one of those kids probably (laughs) who just wanted to see. Be like, go in the tower and figure it out. Just want to look around. Mm -hmm. But something weirder that happened was in June of 2008. Uh, the water tower superintendent was inspecting the water tower as he does every morning when he was attacked. A young man had broken into the water tower by getting through part of the gate and climbing up the piping on the back of the tower, crawling through a very tiny opening up at the top where the water tower meets the brick. And he was hiding in the little hatch area. And when the superintendent came in, the man attacked him. This ended up with the superintendent being hospitalized. So this kid was just waiting. Did he know that this guy was going to come by or was he just trying to target whoever came by first? According to the superintendent, the kid looked really shocked when he walked in. But he didn't know, like, what the heck was going on. Because they're, I mean, it's clearly, like, really dark in there. So he couldn't Mm -hmm. really make out. But there is a little um, podium box with all of the wiring and stuff that he has to check. And this kid was hiding behind that podium box and, like, lunged at him, I guess. Hmm. Yeah. That's weird. Out of nowhere. Yeah. And... When the police arrested this guy, he said he was trying to rid the town of witches, but also the tower, because he said there were a lot of witchy happenings going on in the tower. But soon after the questioning really got underway, he apparently, in quotations, woke up and acted as though nothing was happening and kept asking what was going on and why he was there. That's creepy. That is creepy. And okay, there could be there could be multiple reasons for this. One, it could have been something really freaky that we can't explain. It could also be that, okay, again, we're going back to it being a college town. Um maybe he went in there after an escapade. You don't know. Uh you don't know if he well, it didn't say in the article or anything if he had been under the influence of anything, but the fact that he ended up getting past the gate up the freaking tower and into the damn tower. Like, how the fuck did you manage that? Especially if you looked at the tower and then you looked at the inside of it. I don't know how the fuck he managed to do it. <laughs> I need to look at it. It's, yeah, it's weird. Actually, there's a video I can send you to. Um, if you YouTube Whitewater in general, there's also a documentary that a group did Oh, gosh, that would have probably been in 2010, between 2010, 2014. Um, They went around town and were just interviewing people. And they actually interviewed the superintendent. Um, It's a really interesting story. It's really crazy. I still don't understand how, even though he climbed up the piping, how he really got in the opening and was managed to 
crawl down and not be severely injured. Sort of like the Elisa Lamb kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. And like, I guess the superintendent said he did not hesitate. He just started attacking as soon as the guy, he opened the door. The guy was like already on him. So, yeah. A part of me is like, uh, was there a mental health thing? Did he have a right. history of like schizophrenia or who knows what? Right. It could be so many things, but they never identified the guy. They didn't ex- exclude or, um, include that in any of the articles that I had read. But yeah, apparently he was a younger gentleman, so not sure what was going on. Another weird place in Whitewater is Wells Hall on campus. Now, there are a lot of student accounts of haunted campus housing. And I mean, there's a graveyard in the middle of campus. (laughs) It's crazy. Yeah. But it's not an old building. Uh, Wells Hall was built in the 60s. So there might be in a connection with something maybe underground or just location-wise with the cemeteries. Who knows? But it wasn't a very uncommon thing back in the 60s and 70s. Again, there was a resurgence of popularity with doing seances. And so a lot of students did seances in their dorm rooms. And from those experiences, people had talked about things they had witnessed during seances. There were strange accounts from students and former students that lived in campus halls about some very strange, unexplainable activity. But one of the more recurring stories is about a little girl that is dressed in a white dress that is spotted throughout campus in different housing halls. And she's known to be giggling and dancing and moving things around. Hmm. Yeah. I wouldn't I, be as freaked out about something like that as like, I don't know, something really terrifying and scary. I feel like I would be like, oh, that's kind of cute. <laughs> <laughs> right. And I guess there's a lot of like electrical activity. Things will turn on and off or, you know, uh, shower water will turn on or off. Um, but it, it kind of sounds like students there, if they haven't experienced something, they know somebody who has, and some of the professors have even said that they have experienced things. So it's a pretty, seems to be kind of an active campus. Hmm. And one of the more well-known pieces of activity that had gone on was in 1981, girls from the Alpha Sigma sorority house were eating dinner one night when they had heard loud noises coming from the basement of the house. And when they went to down to Yeah. (laughs) Especially when you're like, okay, you know, it's a college house, so it could be a lot of things going on, but yeah, loud noises from the basement is probably never a cool idea. (laughs) Especially when probably most everybody in the house is eating dinner together or doing other things. You're like, what the fuck is going on? Right. You're like, oh, gosh. Uh, Do we call the cops now? Do we leave? Like, what do we do? (laughs) But they had decided to go investigate this shit. So good on them. (laughs) Strength in numbers, they probably thought. But what they found when they opened the door of the basement And they went into the basement. They found bricks ripped from the basement floor. What? And they were strewn around the basement like they had been thrown. And 
it was so big that it revealed a hole that led to an entrance to a fucking tunnel that nobody knew about. No, this feels very Blair Witch all of a sudden. Yeah. Well, and then they confirmed that there are tunnels going through and around Whitewater. And they, oh, mm-hmm. They're, they're not really sure. Some of the areas have been blocked off, so you can't really get into some of these tunnels. But um, there are old stories saying that witches used to use this to travel underground throughout town so that they wouldn't be seen. But hmm. why are there tunnels? Yeah, that's a you lot know. of work. That is yeah. a lot of work. That's a lot of work. And I feel like that wouldn't have gone unnoticed. Right. Yeah, something tells me that this was a little bit older. Whether they existed yeah. before the town was even beginning, or if maybe this was something that was used for businesses, but why would you be using a tunneling system underground in a town like that? I don't know. I don't know. But that brings us to some other very freaky stories that have happened a little less recently. But it's a little interesting that there are a couple of reoccurring similarities to some stories that have been spanning decades. But the most recent publicized account of this particular situation happening was in 1992. There was a group of three college students that were walking past the Whitewater Lake and what they had seen, and they had described it as they thought there was a party going on. But the closer and closer they got, they realized that there were figures dancing and chanting on the beach. And they believed that it was some sort of ritual. And they only confirmed that as they got closer, it was too systemized and that it had to have been some sort of ritual taking place. And they were really far out on the beach closer to the the water itself they weren't like by the land area of the beach they were like towards the water and they had kind of the students kept getting closer because they're like well what the fuck is going on here but they started running when they saw an object rising out of the lake oh my god yeah there is a similar account of this happening in the 60s as well I couldn't find the document, but I have heard friends talking about this story. Apparently, and this could just be hearsay or another, you know, gossipy story. But apparently in the 60s, there was two sets of couples that were walking home from a party in the wee hours. And they had heard what they thought was talking on the beach when they were walking by. But the closer they got, they realized it was the same tone. And they're like, this sounds like chanting. They saw figures dancing and chanting on the beach. They also saw something rising out of the water and they fucking booked it. So it makes me wonder what they saw. Is it possible that one of them was in the water and then just came out? Or was it something that was more uh, like inhuman? That's a really or good question. I have tried my damnedest to really dig in to see what the hell they were talking about there is no record of what it was whether it was a, a creature an object it doesn't say um 
and I don't and then, know. And then oh. my next question is, was it like, are we witnessing like a residual type event that's right. happening? Or is it like actual people that are doing some sort of ritual in in the real time? You know right. what I mean? Exactly. I think that's a really creepy. good question. Very creepy. Yeah. Either way, it falls. It's creepy. Fucking creepy. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh. Uh, but nobody could really make out what they were chanting either. And they knew it Maybe was it chanting. Maybe it was that language in the book. Maybe. Oh, maybe. Somebody's taking the book out of the library every night, going through a tunnel and ending up on the ba- on the beach and trying to do some shit, I guess. I, I don't know. It's fucking creepy. And you're probably like, okay, we haven't fucking talked about the whole reason of why it's called Second Salem. Well, yes, that's a fair point. Sorry. But that's kind of why we have to leave it where it is. Because there was supposedly a witch trial in the late 1800s that took place in this town. There are not a lot of good records about it. Um, I'm not shocked by yeah, that. <laughs> exactly. And trying to look up records of other people that were claimed to be witches. Can't find them. There are so many accounts of people stating that there were witches everywhere in Whitewater, whether that meant that they they were just accusing anybody that went to the Morris Pratt Institute, that they were witches and trying to, you know, do evil shit around town. That could be one of the reasons why people were like, oh, there's just a bunch of witches around, you know, or, you know, how, how much of an impact did this really have on the town at that time? You know, what was really going down? Uh, there is so much of the town's history that is undocumented. And there are countless mysteries that seem very oddly connected in such mm. a small area. There are still students to this day that go missing in the quarry that they can't figure out what the fuck is happening with that. Um, there is also something that students have talked about is they call it the witch's house. Um, it's in a residential area in Whitewater that a lot of students pass every day to get to class from where there's student housing in the residential area. But apparently there is an older woman that lives at one of these houses that supposedly acts and speaks strangely. And she's known to do really odd things such as pin old pictures on her porch hmm. um, and do some very odd things. She's been known to kind of stare at people who have been walking by and speaking in strange tongues. They don't really know though, if what's really going on. Um, yeah. I, I don't is think it, any of the, is it like a dementia situation? Is it right. mental health? Is it exactly. And I don't think it helps because a lot of students aren't from the area, obviously, because it is such a small town that they don't really put a lot of effort into knowing what the heck is going on. Um, But you know how rumors spread in a college place about things. And you know what? That's a lot of maybe what a lot of these stories are kind of just built up over time because it's a college town and people talk. But even if a lot of this stuff is just kind of hearsay in town stories, there's a lot of weird ass things going on in this town. 
And a lot of people in town that are local don't like to talk about what the fuck goes on in that town. That's pretty common, too. Yeah. <laughs> For yeah. small towns. Not to want, you know, not to have people know what's up. Yeah. Hmm. But that's, unfortunately, that is all I have. I wish I had more historical information to back up some of this shit. And I would love to go down and do some studying in their archives and read up on newspapers and see what the hell's going on. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think that's the only thing you could do because it, I mean, the, the truth is they're just, there's going to be limited information, especially yeah. when there's, I mean, if you are practicing witchcraft and you are doing these rituals, it's obviously a secret society. Yeah. It's not like, you're documenting those things. And um, for a town that wanted to keep that stuff quiet, they're not going to talk about it either. So exactly. But no, it'd be interesting. I think that'd be a fun trip. Heck yeah. For you too. That would be amazing. Try to get maybe. some recordings and go sit in the graveyards. Yeah. And maybe you could even email somebody at one of the schools. Um, yeah. Just to see if they have any more information they can share. Yeah, that would be cool. really nice. I don't think I'd want to touch the book, though. No. I'd want to see it, but I don't know if I would want to touch it. Yeah, can we do a video call of... <laughs> yeah, can you just can you show just... us this book? Can we Zoom and just you you pick it up and... <laughs> <laughs> Zooms can be cursed, too, Probably. Probably. I don't think the virtual world is uh, safe from that kind of stuff. That's true. <laughs> There's probably some other weird shit that we we don't know a lot of shit anyway. But you know, I'm I'm gonna find this picture again for you and show it to you. It's in my notes, but I'm gonna send it to you. Oh balls! <laughs> <laughs> there, there. That's for my show notes. I just fucking took a picture on my phone like a noob. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah that's the book i sent it to your phone oh okay but look at that it's it's a little ominous looking i'm not gonna lie but ooh, it's huge it is huge she that looks lady looks so way happy. too happy yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she looks too happy that's um allegedly was used during witches rituals yeah it's a really cool book yeah i mean i'm a bibliophile and i'm like oh that's cool but i'm like mm, i'm I not gonna it, touch it I, I bet it smells good too <laughs> yeah that's another question i have is like what does that smell like does it smell like curses i, I, <laughs> <laughs> I love the smell of old books Oh, me too. People think I'm weird, but I'm like, mm, I don't care. Leave me alone. You could bottle that up and put it in a perfume. Heck yeah. Oh, yes. Yes, please. That's me. What is it? I'm probably like Hermione on <laughs> her sense <laughs> when she's yes. like, she likes toothpaste. I mean, I'm more of a fresh cut grass and old books. Yes. That's my jam. I love the smell of old books and tea. Mm-hmm. Uh coffee and bacon. <laughs> yeah. 
Yes. Toast. Who needs an alarm clock when someone's cooking breakfast? Dude, right? Oh, I wish that, that was one. something we could emulate into an alarm. <laughs> My husband was telling me that there's this coffee pot alarm clock. <laughs> Is there really? Yeah, it's like a ridiculously expensive thing. I was like, who needs that? Just set your timer on your coffee pot. It does the right? same thing for me. Right. I'm so hypersensitive. I sometimes wake up smelling things that aren't actually there. I don't know if that's just me. Oh, I don't know if I've ever had that before. I've woken up to the smell of coffee many times and there's no coffee. Huh. That's weird. Maybe your brain's just like, mm, I need coffee now. Well, legitimately, one time I woke up and I was like, why am I smelling coffee right now? It's so early because my husband, he'll make coffee or he'll set the um, timer to automatic, you know, make yeah. it. And I remember one time it was like one o'clock in the morning. I'm like, there's no way he would set it that early. And yeah. there's no coffee. What it the It was heck? just my brain. My brain is weird. <laughs> Were you dreaming about coffee? No, it just sometimes. And if the coffee pot does go off, I'll smell it and I'll wake up. So I don't know if it's just like a memory type Maybe. hallucination. I don't know. It's weird. I guess the only time I've ever had that happen, which is going to be a very embarrassing story, but uh, it'll be special because this is for Patreon. So thanks, Patreon. <laughs> going to share a real awkward story with you. But I, <laughs> one night, many years ago, I had a dream about a really hot guy and we weren't doing anything weird. Don't worry. But he smelled like <laughs> snuggle. And oh. I'm like, oh, Snuggle's not sexy, but snuggle is snuggle, you know? Yeah. And I woke up smelling snuggle, and I did not use snuggle as my laundry anything. So I'm like, is was I, like, cuddling with the pillow and, like, <gasps> or was, like, yeah. what the fuck? I don't own snuggle. So I don't know. But How did yeah. you know you just recognized the smell of yeah. snuggle? Yeah, because I... Back when I um, lived uh, with other girls in college, they used Snuggle. And it was well past college that I had this dream. So I was like, what the I, fuck? Maybe it's a thing. Maybe your brain yeah. just when you, you know, you can have sensations and dreams and stuff too. Maybe yeah. phantom smells is is just like a memory of a smell. Right. I don't know. It happens to me quite often. Um so that's crazy. But you should start journaling about that and seeing like is there like start, a pattern? I should start journaling again because when I do journal, I start to have more vivid dreams and I've had some really interesting. That's a whole other thing. I don't know if we've ever talked about we might have to talk about at some point with like meditation and and different things. Oh. I've had some very strange experiences. You and have some really wild dreams. I, they're <laughs> fucked up. Yeah, they're so fucked up. Some people are like, oh, yes, I dreamt I was in a glade picking flowers. And I'm like, yeah, that fucking sandwich was talking to me. Like, <laughs> You need to write some stuff down, I think. <laughs> it That's was, something. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't do drugs. This is just my head. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> oh, man. 
Oh. Yeah, dreams are dreams are interesting. I also have a theory on dreams. I Me sometimes too. think we are like slipping into other realities. Like I don't know, but I yeah. also have weird theories on the Matrix and the. <laughs> yes. No. I don't even don't even feel bad. I also have theories as well. Uh, well, you know, that's the thing is like it, people don't really get to see that side of the way our brains work. And my brain right. is uh, pretty much all over the place all the time. Mine too. <laughs> Can end up in a really weird spot. <laughs> Same. And like that. <laughs> Thank you.